Rubbing It With Kevin. I'm Kevin O'Reilly, and this week, we got a little something special for you. We're having a creepy, spooky Halloween episode. So instead of a normal interview, I will be reading some creepy short stories. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. family of four, two young children and their parents, were traveling on the road when their car broke down. The parents went out to look for help and left the radio on for the kids in case they got bored. By nightfall, the parents still hadn't returned. Sat in the darkness, the children continued to listen to the radio and grew alarmed when they had heard that a dangerous killer was on the loose, having escaped from a prison nearby. The newsreader warned listeners to take extreme care when going about their business. Time passed and the children waited. The silence outside the car was absolute until suddenly they heard knocking on the car roof above them. Clank, clank, clank. The knocks grew louder and faster. Doof, doof, doof. Unable to bear it any longer, the children opened the car's doors and fled in terror. Only the eldest dared to turn to see the source of their fear. On top of the car was a large man who was bouncing two objects on top of the vehicle, the heads of the children's parents. The Madman Under the Bed This is the story of a young girl from Mancelona called Sarah. As a child, Sarah was afraid of the dark and got a dog to keep her company. Subsequently, she slept peacefully knowing the dog was under the bed. If she was afraid, she only had to reach out her hand and her dog would start licking it until she fell asleep. Years went by like this, and Sarah grew up, and the dog became old. One night, on the radio, she heard that a dangerous murder was thought to be in the vicinity of Mancelona. With her dog at her side, Sarah was not afraid. She got into bed, stretched out her hand, and the dog, as was its wont, began to lick her. She slept soundly, and when she woke up, 
She was surprised that the dog was still licking. Looking under the bed, she screamed. The dog lay dead, and the tongue that was tirelessly licking her belonged to a man. The Graveyard Challenge Several teenage girls went for a sleepover at a friend's house, taking advantage of the fact that the parents were away. When they turned out the lights, they started talking about an old man who had just been buried in the nearby cemetery. It was said that he had been buried alive and could be heard scratching at the coffin, trying to get out. One of the girls scoffed at the idea, so the others dared her to go visit the grave right there and then. As proof that she had actually gone, she was to drive a wooden stake into the earth over the grave. The girl left, and her friends lay waiting for her to return. But the hours went by, and their friend failed to materialize. They lay awake, increasingly terrified. Morning came, and the girl still had not appeared. So when the parents came back, they all went down to the cemetery. There they found the girl lying on the grave, dead. When she had bent down to drive the stake into the ground, she had caught the hem of her skirt. Struggling to get up, she thought the buried man had grabbed her. It was concluded that she died of fright. Have you been up to check the kids? A teenage girl was asked to babysit for a family that lived in a huge, luxurious house. It was her first evening on the job, and after she had put the children to bed upstairs, she sat down in front of the TV. But no sooner had she settled there than the phone rang. The caller was a man gasping and laughing menacingly. He asked, Have you been up to check the children? The babysitter hung up, convinced that her friends were playing a joke on her. But the man called again, and again he asked, Have you been up to check the children? Again she hung up, now frightened, but the man called a third time. This time he said, I've taken care of the kids. Now I'm coming for you. By now the babysitter was truly terrified. She called the police and reported the calls. The police told her to try to distract the man next time he phoned to give her, them the time to trace the call. As expected, the man called back. The babysitter begged him to leave her alone, thus keeping him on the line longer. Eventually, he hung up. Immediately, the phone rang again. This time, it was the police. Leave the house fast. The calls are coming from upstairs. The Bony Hand A seven-year-old girl was left with her grandmother in her small apartment while her parents went to the movies. Grandmother and granddaughter had dinner together and chatted for a while. At 10 o'clock, the grandmother picked up her sewing, and the little girl turned on the TV. They were sitting companionably together when the grandmother got a horrible thirst and asked her granddaughter to bring her a glass of water. It's too dark, said the girl. Don't be scared. Follow the corridor. There's a switch right next to the bathroom door. The girl got up and felt her way along the wall of the corridor, groping for the switch. As she reached the bathroom, she stopped and felt around, only to come in contact with a bony hand that tried to drag her into the bathroom. The girl managed to pull away and ran, screaming and crying back to her grandmother. After the incident, the girl needed psychological treatment. What happened has never been established, though no one but the grandmother and the girl were in the apartment at the time. Come play with me. Some time ago, a friend of mine and I decided to do the Ouija board for the first time, something we had never dared to do before. We called two other friends to come and do it with us, as I had been told that it was more likely something would happen if there were more people. We had a hard time convincing the other two, but in the end, they agreed to come along. 
We got everything ready and, feeling a bit nervous, got started. During the sessions, one of the girls we had called to join us said, This is nonsense. I'm out of here. We got a little scared and decided to leave it for another time. After a few days, the girl who had left called me, beside herself. She said that as she was passing a derelict house near her home on the way back from the local library, a little girl dressed in white had asked her to play with her. My friend told her that she couldn't as she was in a hurry to get home, and immediately the girl began to cry tears of blood. My friend fled, and when she got home, she called me. At first, I thought she was pulling my leg, but something told me that was not the case. I began to think about the day we had done the Ouija board and how abrupt my friend had been when she had got up to leave. I didn't give it much more thought and went to bed. The next day, my friend called me because she was going to be home alone studying, and as she was scared, she had asked me to keep her company. I took a bus over to hers, and we settled down with our books. After a while, we heard a scratching noise behind us. We both looked up and were horrified to find that the girl she had described to me was sitting on my friend's bed, scratching the wall. We ran out of the room. When we got to the front door, I noticed that my friend was not there. But I was too terrified. I couldn't make myself wait for her. Shortly afterwards, the police called my house to tell me that my friend had died of an asthma attack. She had been found on the stairs of her house with a terrified expression on her face. For several months after that, I was in treatment. I am now recovering, but the other day a note appeared in my mailbox written in the little girl's hand that read, Your friend died because she wouldn't play with me. I have a new doll. I think it's a joke since our story has become famous in her town, but on the other hand, I'm scared. I wonder, will she come for me? Room for one more. A man named Joseph Blackwell came to Detroit on a business trip. He stayed at the large house some friends owned on the outskirts of the city. That night they had a pleasant evening chatting and reminiscing about the past. But when Blackwell went to bed, he began to toss and turn and was unable to sleep. At one point during the night, he heard a car pull into the driveway. He went to the window to see who might be arriving at such a late hour. In the moonlight, he saw a black hearse full of people. The driver looked up at him. When Blackwell saw his strange face, he shuddered. The driver called to him, There's room for one more. He then waited a minute or two before driving off. In the morning, Blackwell told his friends what had happened. Oh, you were dreaming, they said. That must have been it, he replied. But it didn't seem like a dream. After breakfast, he left for town and spent the day in the offices of one of the new high-rise buildings in the city. Late in the afternoon, he was ready to go back to the house and was waiting for the elevator to take him down to the ground floor. But when it stopped at his floor, it was very full. One of the people inside it looked at him and said, There's room for one more. It was the driver of the hearse. Nope, no thank you, Blackwell said. I'll, I'll wait for the next one. The doors closed and the elevator began to descend. Moments later, there was a terrible crash, and shouts and screams could be heard. The elevator had collapsed. All the people inside were killed. Rings on her fingers. Daisy Clark had been in a coma for over a month when the doctor declared her dead. She was buried on a cool summer day in a small cemetery about a mile from her home. May she always rest in peace, her husband said. But that was not how it turned out. 
Late that night, a grave robber armed with a shovel and a flashlight began to dig her up. As the earth was still loose, he quickly reached the coffin and opened it. His hunch was right. Daisy had been buried wearing two valuable rings, a diamond wedding ring and another studded with a brilliant ruby. The thief knelt down and reached inside the coffin to take the rings, but they were completely stuck on Daisy's fingers. He decided that the only way to get them was to cut off her fingers. But when he took out his knife and began to saw the flesh, it began to bleed, and Daisy began to twitch. Suddenly, she sat up. Terrified, the thief scrambled to his feet, accidentally knocking the flashlight, which went out. In the dark, he could hear Daisy emerge from her grave. The thief stood frozen, clutching the knife in his hand. On seeing him there, Daisy covered herself with her shroud and asked, Who are you? Hearing the corpse speak, the grave robber ran. Daisy shrugged and kept walking, not bothering to look back. Seized by fear and confusion, the thief fled in the wrong direction and fell headfirst into the open grave, onto his own knife. As Daisy walked home, the thief bled to death. This next section is a collection of two-sentence horror stories. There'll be no titles for each one, uh, but just a brief little pause in between. There was a picture on my phone of me sleeping. I live alone. My sister says that mommy killed her. Mommy says that I don't have a sister. You hear your mom calling you into the kitchen. As you are heading down the stairs, you hear a whisper from the closet saying, Don't go down there, honey. I heard it too. The last thing I saw was my alarm clock flashing 12.07 before she pushed her long, rotting nails through my chest, her other hand muffling my screams. I sat bolt upright, relieved it was only a dream, but as I saw my alarm clock read 12.06, I heard my closet door creak open. I can't move, breathe, speak, or hear, and it's so dark all the time. If I knew it would be this lonely... I would have been cremated instead. I awoke to the sound of the baby and monitor crackling with a voice comforting my firstborn child. As I adjusted to a new position, my arm brushed against my wife, sleeping next to me. After struggling desperately to move any part of his paralytic body just to alert the doctors that he was unconscious before they made the first incision, he was relieved to see that one of the nurses had noticed his pupils dilating from the bright light. She leaned in close and, in a whisper that tickled his ears, said, You think we don't know you're awake? My daughter won't stop crying and screaming in the middle of the night. I visit her grave and ask her to stop, but it doesn't help. I wake up and everything feels wrong. It's too quiet outside. I look out the window and see everyone standing still, looking at my house. The doctors told the amputee he might experience a phantom limb from time to time. Nobody prepared him for the moments, though, when he felt cold fingers brush across his phantom hand. Growing up with cats and dogs... I got used to the sounds of scratching at my door while I slept. Now that I live alone, it is much more unsettling. 
working the night shift alone tonight. There was a face in the cellar staring at the security camera. I woke up to hear knocking on glass. At first, I thought it was the window until I heard it come from the mirror again. After working a hard day, I came home to see my girlfriend cradling our child. I didn't know which was more frightening, seeing my dead girlfriend and stillborn child, or knowing that someone broke into my apartment to place them there. She asked why I was breathing so heavily. I wasn't. They celebrated the first successful cryogenic freezing. He had no way of letting them know he was still conscious. I can't sleep, she whispered, crawling into bed with me. I woke up, cold, clutching the dress she was buried in. You know that weird, full-body twitch you get sometimes when you're falling asleep? If there was a camera pointed at you, and you saw that it was captured at that moment, you'd never sleep again. The grinning face stared at me from the darkness beyond my bedroom window. I live on the 14th floor. Sleep did not come to me easily that night in the cabin in the woods, for the portraits on the wall only portrayed the deformed, the decrepit, and the damned. Sleep has never come easily to me ever again, for when I woke, I found no portraits, only windows. I always thought my cat had a staring problem. She always seemed fixated on my face, until one day when I realized that she was always looking just behind me. There's nothing like the laughter of a baby, unless it's 1 a.m. and you're home alone. After so many years living alone in this large house, I came to a startling revelation, and this time I had closed far more doors than I had opened. It's been watching me for hours now. Sometimes I catch glimpses of its reflection on the computer screen, but I dare not turn around. Put back the mirrors. We miss watching you. You stupid bastard! I cried as he tied me to the rails. Don't you know this line has been abandoned for years? Of course I know, he said. Walking away, no one comes here at all. They delivered the mannequins and bubble wrap. From the main room, I began to hear popping. The operation wasn't successful in the traditional sense since my sight didn't return but it left me with the ability to distinguish heat signatures, at least. Three weeks have passed, and I'm still not sure how to politely ask my best friend why he's room temperature. When I finally grabbed her in the darkness, I swam back to the surface. It never occurred to me how fast the ice could freeze over. You start to drift off into a comfortable sleep when you hear your name being whispered. You live alone. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Pubbing It with Cabin. I've been Cabin O'Reilly. I know it's a short one, but these were some fun, creepy, little, scary short stories. Join me next week when we go back to our normal programming. Bye.
<laughs> oh, God. Ugh. I'm okay. Don't worry.